Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Uh, I'm not going to repeat who I am or Frank is, but we have a special guest today, uh, longtime friend Henry Ferguson. Henry is, uh, I guess you're the owner of Not Fit to Hunt? Sure. I think. Sure. He's um, a muley Tim slaying I, animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He and Tim, uh, well, get, get, you've killed some elk too, but uh, mule deer is your specialty. You've killed a bunch of those. And uh, probably the person I've known the longest on the planet and still talk to uh <laughs> definitely in colorado uh what i meet you 97 98 99 i was thinking about that the other day yeah uh fort collins right yep it was up at the fort collins shoot up at the aerodynamic shoot yeah so uh that was when i had just started really shooting tournaments i guess i think i, I had a pse career or something crazy um before i could shoot good um i remember because you beat me twice Every time I get back, I'd ask what you shoot, and you told me. I'd be like, damn it. And, uh, <laughs> That's actually true. It is. It's word for word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we shot tournaments together forever in Tipton. Yeah. Um, Joe Aldrati. Oh, my god, Matt Teeter. Yeah. Um, the good old days. Yeah, that was when I think 3D archery was quite a bit bigger than it is now here. I don't know. I don't shoot yeah. 3Ds anymore. I, I really don't shoot a whole lot of it either. I shoot my Wednesday night league at No Limits, and... I'll shoot as indoor shoots and that's about all I get to anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was kind of a couple of years after that was a little more in my heyday when I could actually shoot good and, oh, and, yeah. and won a lot. That. Um, yeah. And I don't, we get questions um, um, mostly from haters. Actually one guy from Kuyu specifically of <laughs> what does he know? My little buddy. I can't wait to see you. Um, <laughs> uh, and at that time, I mean, in Henry, so it's not coming from my mouth and not at a bragging point. I pretty much, not everything, but anything local, I generally won or took in the top three. You were up there. You uh, were up there. That's for sure. Yeah. Pallegrino was hard to beat. Tipton was hard to beat. Yep. At times at that point, you were hard to beat, but not like now. Oh, um, I had a, uh, I had a raging case of target panic. It was an epic to watch him rip a hinge off <laughs> oh, and hey. still hit the target tell, well, accurately. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had my days. That's for sure. I mean, I, I had a, uh, I had a lift rip technique that was, uh, it was foolproof except when it wasn't. <laughs> and I remember the, the last day that it wasn't when, uh, my wife, we came off the course. She had shot one course. I had shot the other course back at Fort Collins again. And we came up and she totaled up her score and she'd had the best round of her life. She goes, Henry, what'd you shoot? What'd you shoot? I'm like, no, no. What'd you shoot? She's like, I shot a, shot a 386. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really awesome. She goes, what'd you shoot? I'm like, ah, you got me by 90. <laughs> we'll put it this way. I, I think there was a downriver, um, probably lead poisoning issue after that, because I left a lot of aluminum out in the river that day. It was, <laughs> it was pretty humbling, man. Well, and you got a ho I mean, that's, I guess we'll probably jump all over the place since, especially since you and I have known each other so long. Yeah. <laughs> Tar target panic. I had oh, it. Yeah. I had it too. When I got, got it. The state team shoot, probably Carlos, Fat Carlos. Remember Carlos? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Carlos, probably from his mouth and uh, my anxiety because I was shooting a wrist rocket. Um, it, it when it happened, it literally was one of those where I couldn't miss to could not. I mean, I'm hitting in the ass and the leg. We're Can't, still hitting them. I was hitting them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just couldn't figure out why. And and that was 
you were at that team shoot. Um, Royal Archery was open yep. at that time. And yep. I, I that's when I started shooting a back tension. Smartest thing I ever did because yep. then I got, then I could really shoot. Um, and I've shot it ever since. But you, I got a handle on it fairly quick where I had about a three-month hiatus of shooting without a sight on my bow. Yeah. <laughs> um, really trying to figure out how to operate a hinge correctly. Kind of try, basically trying to find what was the right path for me um because some guys shoot up you, you shot a revenger at the time with a hook you still shoot a hook still do still shoot the same revenger yeah which is creature freaking of crazy yeah it is crazy and uh <laughs> i ended up shooting a scott longhorn um well yep. i shot a stanislavski at first because remember jerry rose mm -hmm. jerry got me those it's yeah. crazy i see jerry at the ata show now do you really the guy that oh taught me gosh. to shoot um yeah and Jer jerry before I met you or right around when I met you, it was Cherokee archery in the Springs. I was still in the army and he, I was shooting a 98 pound Hoyt deviator. Uh, yeah. Who wasn't? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I took the loan out at a hack shop for the ones that prey on the military at like 31% interest to get this. My Kate, you remember my ex-wife? Oh, yeah. um, she's cool. Uh, still cool by the way. We yep. still talk. Yeah. She about killed me. And I got this bow, and I remember I was shooting it too long a draw, hammering the trigger, like ninety some pounds. And Jerry's like, uh, "What are you doing?" Like basically, and then he shot taught me how to shorten up the release and kind of execute everything properly. And then, of course, I screwed that up and went to the to the hinge. Now you have always shot since I've known you that Revenger and a hook. Yeah, yeah. I know I've shot dozens, and I mean dozens and dozens of other releases since then, but. You know, the weird thing is, I just, that one feels right in my hand. And mm -hmm. it just, it's like an old friend, you know, it's like an old comfortable pair of shoes. And, the, you know, after I finally did beat Target Panic, and, and by the way, my, my ego would not allow me to just take a year off of shooting and, and go back to the basics. And finally, right around the time my son was born, my wife was pregnant with, uh, with Kyle. And I, I just said, you know what, I've got the time. I'm just going to do it. And it literally took me three months of shooting in my basement, no sight, no target, you know, nothing on the target, just, just <laughs> executing shots, learning how to execute a shot and that I could do it. And I remember going out to the range the first day, I went out to Bear Creek a few months later and I shot a, uh, I shot a target and it was a six, it was at 60 yards and there was like a little piece of a balloon sticking out of the target. I shot it and I hit right on the bottom edge of it. I was like, wow, that was cool. <laughs> I had no control over that shot I, in that I, my mind didn't say hit it now. Now I just held the pin on there and let it float. And then my second shot hit the first arrow. And my third shot was just above it. And I remember immediately texting all my friends and really mad saying, why didn't you tell me how easy this was? <laughs> well, and I, the way I explain kind of target panic, but where things go wrong is your brain tells your finger to punch the trigger. Then it tells your, your brain tells your left hand to grab the bow. Yeah. Uh, and shit goes downhill from there. Well, if it only told it to do one of those things, it'd be all right. Yeah, you'd be money. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately the two do go hand in hand. When one happens, the other naturally happens and it's a disaster. Yeah, it certainly can be. Yeah. Uh, hmm. To put into perspective the timeline, you and I both bought, I might have bought it from you or you bought it from me, 
the giant lunchbox Bushnell 500 rangefinders. <laughs> Those were the thing to have. The only thing really to have Absolutely, at the time. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was like carrying a chest rig without yeah, a chest rig. Exactly. Uh, and I, we were going, we were antelope hunting, um, uh, basically driving around in the truck, trying to shoot them off the side of the road for the most part with an occasional <laughs> stock. Um, and, uh, I, I don't remember any antelope being harmed in this hunt either. One got but. stuck under a fence. We almost shot, um, <laughs> rock, fast. rocket wolverines, rocket steelheads, the broadheads that were out at that for mechanicals. Um, yeah were the thing and I 2312s uh you shot 2212s didn't you I believe so yeah, yeah. I yeah. shot uh XX78 super swedge 2312s with 1.13 quarter duravanes with those short little Randy Omer knocks that break real easy you were shooting gold tips yeah I shot I've shot part. gold tips since 2000 yeah long, so yeah it was long time yeah and the speed limit at that time when we it was 280 plus or minus 3% yeah. um yeah, and I remember a Hoyt Striker, Striker Two, where the bow I shot that bow like crazy, one of my best yeah. favorite bows. And then, so that was in two thousand one or two. Yeah, it would have been right around there. And then, what were you shooting at that time? You shot Matthews oh, let's forever. See, I shot Matthews for a long time. I went through a little stretch with High Country. Um, I, I just liked fixing limbs, yeah. so you know that was fun. <laughs> um, and at the time, they were going through some limb issues, but yeah, it was a great shootable bow. But man, it, it spent a little bit of time in the press, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I shot the Conquest for a long time too. That was yeah, a good old Matthews Conquest. Yeah, because I shot a Conquest one, two, three Rival Pro MQ one. That was when yep. Matthews was coming on strong. I think the last Matthews I had was an LX. That was um, literally my favorite Matthews ever. Yeah. One I, of my favorite bows I've ever owned was the LX. Well, and I shimmed out the limb pockets of that like a dipshit. Got like 80 pounds out of a seven. I can't imagine why I broke so many limbs. <laughs> Shooting beaming tree bark 400s with a rocket ultimate steel. Sounded like a freaking, I hate to say a darton, but sounded like a darton. Uh, uh, yeah, I shot some of those too. <laughs> loud, loud bow. Um, but yeah, the, uh, oh, Santino shot a buck, a big buck. Um, squirrel. I'll shoot. Let me pull it up. <laughs> yeah, let me see. <laughs> yeah, man, I got uh, all kinds of messages. That's a good one. Um, good job, Santino, if you're listening. Oh, very nice. Um, he's my brown brother from a darker mother. Uh, and Frank's and Henry, <laughs> you get along with him good too, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah, he's funny. Um, so anyway, sweet heck yeah. And then I left. Uh, I left Colorado for five years, four years. How long did I leave for? Thinking back about uh, it. something like that. Yeah, you're back at. A- you moved back around 2006 or something, didn't you? Seven. Seven. I traveled the world a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, in the meantime, um, I actually, I don't even know what the hell was going on. You were shooting deer. Um, one of the, I've brought you up several times on the Gritty podcast about shooting a single pin, which before Henry starts talking, I'm totally against <laughs> shooting a single pin, although Henry does it very well. well um, and I, I just couldn't, I, this is my opportunity to tell you just how wrong you've been. All this time. <laughs> because I've just sat back and gritted my teeth. Is that an appropriate reference there? Gritty, gritted my gritted, teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, I'll tell you, I just don't understand why anybody would shoot anything else. I, I really don't. And that's how possibly potentially brainwashed I am on that whole thing. But I love it. I've, I've never, I've never had success with multiple pins because I look up there 
And in the moment of truth, I feel that there's only so many things I can focus on. It, well, and I will concur that shooting seven pins can be confusing to where with me, I've done it so much, dude, I shoot five, exactly, yeah. I get confused. Uh, yeah. I got to have seven, <laughs> but I count down when it's far. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I understand what, I guess what I should say is if you're not an accomplished shooter that can't keep your shit together, you should not shoot, in my opinion, a single pin. Um, and unless maybe you've started off with it, cause I, I feel there's things that can go wrong, miss setting it, forgetting yeah. to move it. And getting, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And I've, the funny thing is I've gotten a few of my friends, uh, Brad, uh, Brad Lang, Tim Lang, both of them, I've gotten them started with single pin sites. My buddy Craig Wakefield, same deal. Um, and gotten them started with single pins. So they've not really known anything different. And I can tell you right now, if you had any of them on here, they would be just as big a cheerleaders for the single pin as I am. But it's, it's something that it really just goes back to how you get started. Yeah. And for me, truthfully, I feel just way more confident focusing on one single dot than, than trying to sort through. Which I'll agree. You're going to be more accurate. That's as yeah, far as one and, dot. and for me, I mean, you know, people would look at my setup and, and most of, most people just look at it and go, that's your hunting bow. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, you know, it's the thing that I'm most accurate with. I'm shooting a back tension release. Okay. There are more effective, more, more efficient ways of hunting for sure. I'm shooting a movable site. So I, I'm kind of stacking a couple things against myself, but I'm also giving myself the most accurate setup I have. And right. that's, that's what I'm, that's what keeps me coming back to it. And I think like where I would, um, cause I, I mean, I don't know, Frank, I pretty much told you from the beginning, don't shoot a single pin. Um, I'll but, fix you, Frank. <laughs> the thing is, is where it would be interesting if we were walking through the woods and we range something at 62 yards or 66, mm -hmm. I feel I'll outshoot you in speed. Yep. I'll outshoot you in um, everything, but maybe, ac well, maybe not you accuracy, but everyone, for the most part, most people, I'm going to range it and shoot it and kill it. Um, and you have to move in a lot quicker time in yeah. a lot quicker no quick, time. No question about that. Yeah. Where it gets in the negatives, um, in, in, in fairness to the single pin, you can also forget which pin is your 60 pin. You can get confused. Um, yeah. And that's what I struggled with when I, when I shot it, it looked like a comb out there. Yeah. You know, you got all those pins and yeah, man, I, I just struggled with it. So, and I agree completely with that. Um, because it, if, and do, I got, I got seven pins on a slider, right? I yeah. mean, I, <laughs> and I've gotten, I don't know when the last time I misset my sight was on an animal, but it's been a long, long time. And the thing for me is anything past 70 or 80, I got time to move it anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. And so I don't get too stressed, but, um, I've seen people melt down with five pins or seven pins and miss pin it is what oh, I, yeah. I call it. Yeah. Um, you are more accurate especially at farther distances because me trying to pin gap 87, yeah. not easy to do. No, it's really not. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you've got enough arrows through the bow, you're going to know how to do it. I mean, that's, you know, that's what it comes down to is no matter which one you choose, it just takes a lot of reps before yeah. you're really ready. Now, what's your current setup? Like exactly the whole nine, like broadheads, arrow weight. So bow. I'm, sh I'm shooting a prime. I've got, 
the funny thing is I've got a prime synergy and a prime synergy hybrid. Stop me if any of this sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <identical>. <laughs> yeah. And I just switched to those about a year ago. And the funny thing was I, I went and shot the flagship bows from eight different manufacturers before I bought that synergy. And pretty much the same thing I did. Yeah. The first time I hit full draw, oh my gosh, I knew it. I, I always tell people, you know, you, you always say, Hey, go shoot them all. The right bow will pick you. And that absolutely did. Um, so I've been shooting the Synergy Hybrid. I, that's the one I hunted with this year. Uh, I'm shooting at 28 and a half inches, and I've got a, uh, I'm shooting 72 pounds. And I'm shooting the cable stops, which I know I might be the only guy in the world shooting cable stops <laughs> to hunt with, but it's what I was most comfortable <laughs> with. So again, I'm just going to go back to, her. I'm like the unicorn out there shooting all, <laughs> you know, a real anomaly. But, um, and then I'm shooting a gold tip Pierce. 340 at uh i shoot them short i shoot them real short i just want as little length to be pushed around out there as possible mm -hmm. in the wind. are you like 26 inches on your arrow right stand? in that neighborhood yeah. Yeah. yeah 26 26 and a half i believe um and then shooting the shooting four uh Vantech swifts the 2.3s and that was a switch for me this year i shot a bunch of different fletchings and i'd i'd kind of played around with the swifts over the years but i'd always shot the uh the super spines have been my go-to. Yeah. And truly at the end of the day, I could have gone with either of those and been totally happy, but I shot flex fletch boning and I Everything. shot some AAEs as well. And I just, and, and there was one of the AAEs that was real, real close too. But at the end of the day, I just went back to what I was comfortable with. Yeah. And shooting the Grim Reaper one and three eighths razor tip, which literally has just never let me down. So. Frank, actually, we talked the other day. He shot the... I heard that. Yeah, the, the Fatal, fatal Steel. Yeah. And honestly, I have not I have no experience with the Fatal Steels. I've, I've tried a few other things, but literally... And, you know, I've, I've gotten them all shooting great, but the night before the season, the ones that get screwed on there again <laughs> are, the, are the one and three-eighths razor tips because literally I've, I've watched... Man, I'll bet... I'll bet two thirds of the animals I've shot with those, yeah. I've watched them die. Yeah, and that's I mean, their you know, sales pitch. Watch them drop. Yeah, yeah, and and literally watch. I literally have watched them drop. So that's a, you know, you you go with what you're confident in. Yeah. Oh hell so, yeah, go with what you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, my uh, for release, the good old Carter Revenger. I've got a camo one that uh, was custom done. I, I got that thing literally like 15 years ago. Same one. <laughs> Oh yeah, same one. Oh, yeah, man. I've got five or six of them, but that that's the one that that's the one that goes hunting with me, and it's uh, it's got that spike head on it, which they haven't made in a decade, but I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for machine shops, because we we got one down the road. If you ever needed one built, they can just build it for you. That's probably something I'll need at some point. Yeah, yeah. Because I've given a lot of these away over the years. I still have probably a half dozen of them available though. I think so. you gave me one because I tried to shoot that hook and I couldn't get comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but man, if I had to pick and I could get comfortable with it, it's a hell of a lot more effective for hunting, shooting that hook. Well, it's silent too. Yeah. There's no moving parts. There's, yeah. there's really nothing to go wrong. So that's why I, that's why I've kind of stuck with it. Well, that, and that, you know, I'm just a bit of a creature of habit, I yeah. guess. So, um, yeah, no, I think, and then what arrow rest in sight? So I've shot CBE sites for years. Um, in fact, my 20 year old CBE site that I traded with Aaron. I traded him a Sherlock <laughs> for a CBE tech light in like 2000. Uh, I just put that, I just, I, I'll say I retired it, but when I say I retired it, I put it on Kyle's bow. So he's still shooting that thing. Um, but I've got a newer model of that. 
and for a rest, I've uh, I've got a uh, this year I hunted with the uh, Vapor Trail uh, with the Limb Driver Micro Elite. Yeah. So yeah, are that's you, how are you liking that? I've had no complaints at all with it. I mean, I shot the regular Limb Drivers for a long time, and had real good luck with those. But uh, I just wanted something with a little bit finer adjustment. And yeah. so that's why I went with this one. Now on your, on your, if you were going to change it just cause you're, you're an intelligent guy and you know, archery, if you were going to change anything, let's say on your site, what would you want different on that thing? Um, so here's the funny thing. I don't shoot the CBE, um, housing. Mm-hmm. I shoot a smaller housing and there's a couple different reasons for shooting that smaller housing. Number one, I use a little bit smaller peep. I use that seven sixty four peep. Um, which is just a touch under the eighth inch for those who don't know how to read tape measure. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, oh, it gives funny. me just a little bit smaller, finer thing to focus on, I, you know, and, and again, at the moment of truth, you just want, my opinion is you want to be able to focus on one thing, one thing only. And that just narrows that focus down a little bit. Yeah. So I shoot that Viper housing and it's their smaller housing, like a one and three eighths housing. Has that been pretty durable for you? It's been pretty durable. Um, I've I've replaced a few pins. Um, remember one year, gosh, I think it was like 2009. I'd hiked all the way up the mountain, and I wasn't I wasn't quite the physical specimen that I am now. So, <laughs> you know, it took me a bit more effort to get up this mountain back then. And I I got all the way up there. I found like a 170, 175 inch buck, and he bedded in a spot that was. I mean, I'm planning the spot on my wall already. Mm-hmm. This buck's as good as dead. And before I started the stock, one thing I always do before I start the stock, and this is very important, um, I'll take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm taking a leak, I look over at my bow next to me, and I, I look at my pen, and it is literally laying down. Oh, God. So I <laughs> caught it on something on the way up the mountain. So I'm, I am literally trying with all everything I have in my pack to put this thing kind of back together well enough that I can get one shot. I, I, I mean, this, this stock is money. It's going to be a close shot. And the moment I tried to stand that pin back up, it snapped off. Oh no. Oh Lordy. That was a lonely, lonely walk back down the mountain. (laughs) That, that That happened to me this year on that antelope. When I drew back, the only pin that was straight was the 80. Oh, geez. Thank well, God it's it an antelope hunt. It's probably the only one yeah. you need anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so on your uh, um, mule deer-wise, uh, give an idea of how many, I guess the point being, and and we had, uh, do you know Drummond Lindsay? Yeah. We had him on yesterday. Oh, cool. um, my point being is you're not exactly in the peak physical condition. Oh, but, I, I totally beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> but you kill shit every year. I try, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you pretty much every year. I've I've gotten a deer with my bow every year for eleven years straight. Yeah. Wow. So and yeah. big deer. Um, a lot of them have been yeah, Pope and Young bucks. So yeah, I've good. Been pretty fortunate. Yeah, you you got one uh, in the one at high one eighties, right? Yep. Oh man, so close. Yeah. He was he was <laughs> one one ninety and six eights gross. Yeah. One eighty nine and two eights net. No one gives a shit I'm like, about dude, Ned you anyway. can't stretch that tape out. Get me another three quarters <laughs> of a friggin' inch for an all time Boone and Crockett buck with a bow. But, <laughs> but I mean, I would say knowing, um, knowing you like I do one, you're methodical, you're persistent. 
Um, you don't make piss poor choices. You know the habitat before you get there and don't figure it out when you get there yeah. and you can shoot. Um, and obviously stalking, although I've never been on a stock with you. Um, that's, that's probably my weak point. The well, I mean, <laughs> I, the, I need some. I need some work on my stalking. Shoot I'm, a recurve, you'll become a very good stalker. Nah, I like killing stuff way too much. Dude. And I, <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm obsessed with the compound, and I haven't gotten to that higher level of enlightenment yet in my life. So maybe I, one day. Ah, uh, I tell you what, <laughs> it's enlightenment some days. It's straight hate on others. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I mean, truthfully, not to get uh, uh off the subject, but. Um, it did make me a better hunter. Shooting oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah. Because I, and I told Brian, cause I would walk fast through the woods. He'd be giving me crap. I'm like, dude, something stands up at 80 yards. I'll just kill it. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, no. And he, he learned that yeah, I wasn't lying. You, were, you meant it. Yeah. Um, but it did make me a better stalker because, uh, I mean, Frank saw me stalk into five feet. I mean, literally, yeah. I don't know. Frank was up. It's it close. Was probably five feet. You're right. Up, literally right above it. I mean. From here to the end of the desk. Never. Is this the buck that you shot last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a couple encounters like that. And it's, man, you feel like a freaking ninja. Well, (laughs) the thing is, is when you, with the compound, I probably wouldn't have uh, even tried. I mean, honestly, I would have hung back at 25 yards, kept throwing rocks. Eventually, he would have stood up and I would have shot him. (laughs) Well, in this case, like in a wind like it was, had 30-mile-an-hour crosswinds. And and I I mean, we only had that drive to get to that area so far. Frank and I only had the one day to hunt. I I had to capitalize on what I had. Um, And so it got to a point where I was standing above it on that rock, and and I shot it. Several, every animal was totally different with the stick bow. So it yeah. did make me a better, I would have never shot that buck in Alberta at 35 this year. No way. Not yeah. if you would have, I would have just hung back at 80 and plucked it out of the, but <laughs> I uh, had the sneaky feet on and, and, and got right in and was very, I've, I've become a much more methodical hunter because of that. But you, um, I guess what I was leading up to, uh, is the fact that uh, you're not going to get to the top of the mountain first. You kind of focus as much on or more on shooting, animal behavior, scouting, things like that. Um, and I mean, we, well, you and I don't really talk shit back and forth, but you poke fun kind of of the fitness thing. Good hearted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but you started not fit to hunt. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically there was, it was after looking at my Instagram and seeing, I think the, trillionth uh gym selfie that i I just i just kind of lost it i'm like you know what there's just either hunting's changed or something's changed but you know there was i i just felt like a disconnect and so my buddy tim lang and i were talking about this one day and and it just kind of started as a as a goofy thing but but really more than anything what we're trying to do is just help people become better hunters i mean we've got instructional videos and stuff on youtube that that we've done just talking about our techniques and what's helped us to be successful. And some of it's archery form, some of it's equipment, some of it's scouting techniques and, and different, uh, you know, glassing techniques. I think, you know, there was, there was a discussion the other day on Facebook uh, with a guy from Idaho and he posted a picture of a guy, you know, that, that old picture of a guy with his pants around his ankles and all of a sudden a big deer walks by. Yeah. Well, my, my contention was, I think the reason that happens to most guys is that's literally the only time they stop during the day. Yeah. That's the only time they stop moving. And if, if you stopped 
more often, you'd probably have more of those encounters. Yeah, we, we talked about that with Drummond yesterday. And, and, and a guy like myself that's borderline ADD, how I can glass for 14 hours straight yeah. if needed. Yeah. Um, Frank's the same way. I mean, Frank and I will pack in into the backcountry 10s, 15s, and a 95 or an 85 and just sit in glass all day. Yeah. What's amazing, and I mean, and, and, and Frank hunts a completely different area than I do. I will run into guys, and and again, I'm not, not like I'm the best hunter in the world, but I find animals. Man, we haven't seen anything, and I'm like, oh, that sucks, you know. And I'm thinking, I just sat for three hours and watched 75 different elk yeah. and 14 mule deer, but they walk. Well, so, and that's just it. I mean, you know, whether you're walking or driving, one way or the other, you need to stop. You yeah. need to stop, and you need to de- you need to devote the necessary time to to figuring out where the animals are because a stop on the side of the road at a, a a place with a good Vista doesn't do you any good if you're back in the truck 30 seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it takes longer than that to find them. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it, but a lot of people don't do that. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's their choice. I think, um, the, not just glassing, but as you mentioned before, um, glassing helps, but methodical, thought out, um, effective glassing techniques. And I, um, I glass, I, I glass with tens on a tripod, but mostly handheld 15s always on a tripod. And I glass more with a spotter than most do and gritting out, whether it's because my vision's piss poor or, or whatever. Um, and so I, I generally just grab the binoculars and start flying all over the place in spots. I think animals should be, um, I get well, rid of that's, them. that's a key point, Aaron, because truly after, after you've done this in enough different environments and, and just truly put enough time behind the glass, you know where they're going to be. Yeah. I mean, you've got a pretty good idea if nothing else. So you should, you know, you tend to eliminate the, the places that are obvious to you. Mm-hmm. And those are obvious to you because you've spent the time behind the glass and you know where they should be. Yeah. And I mean, I, I it's probably eight times out of 10, you're going to find something in those more obvious spots or the spots that stick out to you. Yeah. It's that final later grid searching where the rest of them pop out. And that's what, that's the final with the the 85 or 95 where I'm still looking in the same spots. I'm just looking under trees, looking over the top of logs. Yeah, exactly. Finding the shady spots and yeah. uh, yeah, Looking, looking for, for just points sticking up. Mm -hmm. Same thing with sheep. Yep. Um, I'm just looking for the curl poking over the top of the, the rock or whatever yeah. the case may be. And, and looking uh, for a back line out of place or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say glassing, um, is probably the most underrated, um, it, it, well, I shouldn't say that just pure animal behavior is definitely something that, uh, without poking fun of the gym, um, if you should probably be listening to animal behavior books while you're getting your pump on, um, because that is one thing that I'm amazed. You know, if you find out where an animal eats, sleeps, has sex, um, you know, or uh, I mean, basically, you have eating, you have sleeping, you have drinking, and you have their sexual behavior depending upon the time of the year. Uh, so the fourth can be, you know, in the equation or not. Yeah, if you depending know, on your season. The season, yeah. If you know, let's say the three. If you know those three, um, you're probably going to kill them. Um, no matter where you go in the sense of like, we go a lot of do it yourself hunts. Uh, Brian and I, Frank and I, where we travel, never been there. 
um, and you have to kind of find where the the animal is. Kind of figure it out. Yeah, it's a new it's a new game. Yeah, exactly. And, and the way that that we minimize that is glass. Um, you you know we're I mean you can't always do that, but for the most part we're glassing to find them. And as you said, sometimes it's from a road before we even hike in mm-hmm. three miles in. Um, oh yeah. And and I think people. Well, a spot a few years ago, um, I'm not going to bring up where it was, 37 cars in the parking lot, five <laughs> of them pulled in when I was there and knew who I was. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Plan B, plan B, <laughs> this isn't going to work. So I actually backed out the Jeep um, down to a better vantage point before the the parking lot. And I glassed a bull. I ended up shooting from the parking lot, completely different area than I thought I was going, but I hypothesized yeah. where the people were going where they were going to push and the where animal. the pressure was going to push them. Yeah. And that it was a midpoint. It was that mile and a half to, th- I was planning on going in six. It was that mile and a half to three mile point where I saw them because the, the guys like me pushed them back and the guys by the road pushed them in. Um, got back country hunters and front country hunters. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there's a, there's been such a resurgence and such a, a huge amount of focus put on the back country stuff lately that, it is leaving animals yeah. in a in a transition zone that a lot of people just walk right past. Yeah. No, that's a that's a fact. And I mean, that isn't um that isn't always the case. So don't start oh, no, hunting no, the transition always, period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. The uh the one thing I think you, you will find though, um that uh is is there is animals from the road. 15 miles in and they're in every spot in between sure there's going to be a happy medium depending upon where you're at and in in each state and if each area some of the best spots could be right beside the road some of them might be a mile and in and some of them might be seven miles in um but there's animals i feel in every part of that depend all points in between you bet yeah Yeah. and the, the thing is is um if you're hunting high country like above tree line um, those animals are going to have a little bit different behavior. They're going to have different patterns, um, than they are, let's say three weeks later as they've dropped down, especially like with elk, with the rut, no kidding there mule deer, uh, you know, once they lose their velvet, it's a whole different game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hunted a buck in 2014 that literally saw that stinking deer on the same hillside virtually every day, got stock opportunities, blew them in a bunch of different creative ways. I'm pretty proud of that. But, uh, you know, I vary my tactics and, uh, but (laughs) man, the moment that velvet got stripped, I literally never saw that buck again. Never saw him again. Yeah. And I mean, it was not for lack of glassing and trying and trying Mm -hmm. different levels and different elevations, just never found him again. Once they get in the timber and I'm not a, a bona fide full blown mule deer hunter, but I, I hunted enough and a lot to know that occasionally you'll find a buck. I, I feel generally when they're more secluded, they have a little bit better chance of still hanging out in the high country. Yeah. But when they get pressure, man, they get in the timber once they lose that velvet and it's it's hard to find them. And what's crazy is later on in the season, once us dumb bow hunters get out of there, I found some of them, they we'll pop back, right back, back out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I really do because I, my first instinct when I lost this buck was ah, muzzleloader hunters blew him out. Yeah. And truth be told, I think it just happened to be that he stripped his velvet the week of muzzleloader 
And, you know, with a, a little hindsight in this, I, I think that it, you know, the buck just changed his patterns. Yeah. No, and for sure. I, I just wasn't able to relocate him. So. Yeah, which is about impossible once they get in the timber to locate shit anyway. I'm not yeah. a still hunter. That's like pissing in the wind on yeah. some of these mule deer spots. Yeah, there's some truth to that. I killed my first three bucks still hunting. And now that I look back on it, I realize that, well, yeah, I was in the right spot for it. Mm-hmm. It was luck. I mean, there's a ton <laughs> of luck that goes into that. You're just, you know, yeah, you know the right spot and you're putting yourself in that right spot to get the opportunity but man it's there's much more effective ways of going about it yeah the only time i like quote unquote still hunting now um is a really piss poor wind and weather yeah um because that's the only advantage you have at that time do you know they're going to be bedded um you know where they're probably going to be bedded which is out of the wind and you can look at them from a, a distance and find them um, cause well, and I just suck as a still hunter, right? I'm just, it's, it's I, hard. I still it's hunt. hard cause you gotta go slow. No, oh, yeah. I'm like a multiply by four still hunter. Yeah. It just doesn't, uh, you know, we're not all wired to, to take a step every, you know, every 10 seconds. It, it just doesn't. No, you know. I, I'm really sneaky once I know the animals there yeah. uh, before <laughs> that. And, and Alberta, which I think you should do everything you can to hunt. Oh, I'd Alberta. love to. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it's an affordable hunt. Um, it's not horribly, horribly priced, but as far as tactically, when I went up there last year, I was thinking I'm going to be passing up bucks. And it, no, no, it's not like you may pass <laughs> some up from the truck as they're, you know, going into these coolies, but yeah, it is a, uh, a tactician's dream. I'd because love to do it. Yeah. You, you, you'll watch the, most of the time you're watching them coming off these big ag fields and they mm-hmm. drop into these giant coolies, but you don't know where they went. Yeah. So you drop into the coolie and then you're basically positioning yourself, whether it's crawling up a little, walking to an edge and glassing and you're glassing constantly 10 steps glassing, and then you'll finally find it. And you may end up backing out that entire way you just came in. Just to, to loop around to get the wind right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's epic. Now, this year, uh, last year's, um, that was a buck Brian spotted, bedded, guided me in, and then I shot. Um, yeah. This year, totally different. And it's funny how the world turns, and you'll get a kick out of this. I, you know, they dropped me off to glass. Um, uh, pump rigs came through. 300 deer ran by every deer in the unit ran by. Um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, you know, I called uh, Lander and said, Hey, I think all the deer, it's safe to say gone. Um, (laughs) and I wasn't, I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't pissed. I was just like, you might want to come get me hung up the phone. Two minutes later, two bucks came in and it's literally Frank seen the pictures. It's at 800 yards around with nothing but stubble. Yeah. That tall. And then right in the middle, there's a cattail patch that's about 100 yards wide and 150 long. And that's what I was waiting on. That's their cover, though. That's it. Yeah, Yeah, that's their cover. And those two bucks went in there and uh, speed this up, called Lander back, said, hey, get over here. I'm going to make the approach. And uh, dropped to the, got my sneaky feet on, which was stupid from 800 yards away because they don't hold out cactus. And (laughs) on the way down, I would, once I got into the stubble, I would go a hundred yards, lay on my back, glass in the stubble, go a hundred yards, lay on my back, glass in the stubble. And the idea of something came up to reposition in the bed, yeah. I'm at least giving it a chance to where I'm not moving that far. Uh, I get to the edge of the cattails 
and it's early and Lander had told me, you get to the edge of those cattails, you probably have to wait till five uh, for them to stand up. What time is it now? 1030. Oh, geez. Yeah. It ain't happening. Good luck with that. So <laughs> I, I get to the edge and I'm thinking to myself, I have no doubt I can find something in this cat, these cattails if I glass hard enough. Yeah. Um, and I just started picking apart as methodically as I could. I'd move five feet to the left, pick it apart. I found, yeah. I found a lot more than I thought was there. Um, <laughs> I may have seen two go in, but there was four or five other ones already hanging out. And mine was dead asleep, horn sticking up. The other buck, now I ended up shooting the wrong buck. Um, I, mean, I still shot a good buck, but when I finally got in there, and this is all on video, like I wasn't panicked, but I'm sitting here looking at these horns and bodies and I'm like, Jesus, what goes to what? Like, because uh, that stout, that, that cat was so thick. Which is which, yeah. And yeah. the body of mine was 300 plus pounds. And I could see the body of mine and the, the backs. And it had decent backs. And I couldn't tell if it had the same fronts. Anyway, yeah. I finally positioned myself for a broadside shot. And, and it, it, I killed it. And uh, at like 35 yards. And dude, deer came out of that as cattails. And I was like, <laughs> well, first the big one came out, which was like a mid 180s. And so immediately, and I'm not an inches guy, I'm like, huh? Yeah. That would have been a good one. That, that, yeah, that was the one. <laughs> I guess I didn't shoot the one. Um, but a bunch of other different bucks, like a 28 inch wide two point came out, yeah. which I would have liked to have shot too. But I, my, I guess my moral to this story was, is if you took different things out of the equation. Let's say if I didn't know there was deer in there and I just walked up, they would have blown out because how loud Absolutely, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I wouldn't have laid on my back and glassed because those deer were moving in there around, I probably would have been, you know, with caught with my pants down, standing up and walking. So yeah, I made no sure kidding. and gave it time. And then once I got to the edge, being not moving and, and creeping down and being methodical, I was looking through the cattails I didn't stand up and look down. I looked yeah. as low as I could. Um, and if you if you changed any of those things, I probably wouldn't have been um, as uh, being able to pull that off. Um, and I got lucky. I mean, basically, it was, it was a miracle I pulled that shit off to begin with. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of stuff I know you you like. Well, um, you know, I had a I had a friend a couple of years ago that we had just gotten started in hunting named Craig, and he was on his basically his first real season of hunting for himself was 2012. Now he, he went out and he kept getting in these stocks and he just couldn't figure out why the, why the bucks were blowing on him. Yeah. And he says, you know, the only thing sticking up was just, I mean, my, just part of my head sticking up. <laughs> and I said, you know, sometimes that's enough. I yeah. mean, I, and the way I equated it to him was, was look, these bucks know what's there what's native and what's not. Yeah. You they see know. horns in your living room that are new. You're probably going to yell. Well, exactly. I yeah. mean, he, you know, that's exactly what I equated it to is coming home. And I said, you sit in your recliner, you know exactly where things are mm -hmm. and where they should be. And if all of a sudden there's something sticking above that picture in your house. And in this case, that picture is a rock and all of a sudden your head's sticking up above it. Yeah. They're going to notice it. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to keep that low profile. So like you were saying in the cattails, you stayed below the top line of the cattails. Because if you stick your head up, it's done. Yeah. And it's I think over. that's one of the things I try to tell people. And again, I'm not the the guy you want to come to for mule deer advice. but um, That when might be Frank now. Yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to get there. Uh, yeah. 
it, look at the top of the antlers because if you can see the top of the antlers, you're good. They yeah, can't see exactly. you. And that's one thing in Alberta I learned because they are so skittish. There is no momentary stand up and look. They blow. See, and I, I had the exact same experience this year. I had three different bucks that I'd sat on for varying lengths of time. You know, you'd sneak in. The stock goes great. You're feeling feeling like this is inevitable. It's going to happen. And all of a sudden, for, you know, quite often for reasons that I'll never even know, they just stand up and run. Yep. You know, they're not standing up and giving you a shot. They're standing up and literally running. So by the fourth time I'd had that happen this year, I had a real nice buck stand up. And I mean, I, I had been so patient in this stock. I'd snuck in. It was like 27 yards. I thought it was 32 because my rangefinder was hitting something behind it. Cause all I could see was just the antlers sticking up. But by the time that buck finally stood up, well, anyway, before he stood up, there was another buck that had stood up between us. Mm -hmm. Literally this buck was like 15 feet away from me on the other side of this this blowdown and he stood up walk right behind that other buck so i'm at full draw just going okay it's 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 on it's on it's on ready and i'm relaxed i'm calm well he doesn't stand up so <laughs> then this, uh, this this other buck and i mean he was a nice deer he's a cool buck that i'd determined earlier in the season i'd had another encounter with him earlier in the season i'm like i'll shoot that deer if i get a chance yeah but he walks by and feeds literally stops and he's his head's down feeding at 23 yards. My pin is right on his side and I'm like, don't shoot him. Do not, don't <laughs> shoot 170 when 185 is sitting right over there still asleep. Yeah. So this buck literally circles around me and beds right next to me. I heard him paw out his bed. It was the second time this season <laughs> that I heard a buck paw out his bed. So he paws out his bed. And now I'm, I, I mean, the buck is literally bedded 31 yards away from me. It was the craziest thing. And much wind, uh, none that sucks, none calm as can be. So when he went behind a tree, I let down after about a minute and a half, two minutes. And, um, oh, you're a better man than I, that's a long time to hold back. Oh, it was, it was not pretty. Trust me. I was, I was shaking pretty good <laughs> by the end of that, but, but you know, I, the distances were so short. I'm like, Hey, even shake and I can get this shot off. I'm incorrect on that. But, uh, but anyway, he beds back there. And after about a half hour of sitting there stationary, my whole lower body's asleep, man. <laughs> I'm sitting on a freaking rock sitting, you know, with my legs under me. So I shifted my body just the slightest amount just to get some blood flowing and when I did, that smaller buck stood up and had that look in his eyes of, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that wasn't a rock this whole time. Yeah. So anyway, he stood up. He starts blowing, stomping the whole nine yards. So I'm at full draw again, pointed down at the bigger buck. Meanwhile, this dude's over here at 35 yards just making a scene. So when that buck finally stood up, I had convinced myself that I had a third of a second to make things happen. Yeah. And well, we'll just say I put fletchings right off his back. <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> didn't go well, but you know, it was, I forgot one of my, one of my rules, one of my rules, one of the advice that I always give people is there's always more time than you think there is. Yeah. You know, except when there isn't. But, 
But I always tell people that to, to calm them down and, you know, encourage them to take the time to make a good shot. And that, that buck, when he stood up finally after this buck's blowing, I thought, oh, he's going to, he's going to take off. Yeah. So I blew that one. But, uh, the more time thing though, is, is something you learn with the recurve because you have to. Yeah, um, sure. And it is amazing. Um, when you don't, 30 yards is really, really close uh, yeah. for me. And when 30 yards just starts to enter your comfort zone and is not the beginning of it, it's a yeah. whole new world. And so you see way more animal behavior because that foot gap of trees that you used to be able to just zip an arrow exactly. through. Exactly. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. yeah. Now <laughs> it's like, man, can I get two feet? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so sure. you do, I did, you know, you do learn a lot in the sense of, um, again, until you don't, you do have a lot more time, especially when they're bedded, um, that, um, you know, sometimes now I like shooting them in their bed personally when you can, um, if I could have seen anything more than the top of this buck, (laughs) trust me, I would have shot him right there. It's hesitated. Some guys don't like doing that, but, um, that buck I shot this year was, was bedded. I shot the one last year with the recurve bedded and, yeah. and actually the year before I shot that one bedded too. Oh, that's my preferred shot. First of all, it tells me I did the stock right. Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> camo on mule deer hunting and, and a lot of other hunting. I don't get too crazy about, um, I mean, camo is important, but if I've done everything right, he's looking on the away and I'm shooting him with him dreaming or looking in front of him, not behind him. Doesn't yeah. always work that way, but uh, like no, you said, you know, you've done it right when, you know, they're still laying there when you get there. Yeah, exactly. So, well, you, cool. And you got a, uh, a a deer a week ago or so, a couple weeks ago, right? A, a rifle deer. A, a week ago, yeah. My first rifle kill since uh, 1989. Wow. <laughs> How far was it? Uh, it was 280 yards, and he was bedded. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy because truly, I, I've i bow hunted for so long, and mm-hmm. it's just, be, just been my passion, mm-hmm. but... The last two years, my wife has uh, has made this whole rifle hunting thing look pretty easy because mm-hmm. she shot a real nice buck opening morning in 2016, and then this year, 2017, 10 minutes into legal shooting light. She got a bull, right? We had a dead six-point bull. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I this is crazy. Yeah. And literally, both of those both of those animals, we watched them drop. I mean, it was it was shot and straight down. Yeah, that's what I was, I was telling Aaron about. You know, I love bow hunting as well, but... Um, there's something about just, you know, shooting something with a gun and, and having a short blood trail or having a short tracking or job. No is, blood yeah. They just yeah. go down right there. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, honestly, it, it intrigued me so much that I was able to pick up a tag this year and I'm like, you know what? I got to give this a shot. And I did carry just my bow for the first several times out, mm-hmm. but this particular time, just where this buck was, there was no, there was no chance. There mm-hmm. was no chance. And so when we, uh, we got him there at 280 yards. It, it was kind of cool. You know, you just dial the turret mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and lay it down on the pack. Well, the pack was a little low, so I pulled over an old log and put it there. And, oh, now it's just right. And, you know, all of this with a borrowed gun. Yeah. I mean, my, my wife and I borrowed this gun from my buddy Brent Morrill, who's a, a gun nut. And he... Uh, he told me, he goes, hey, this, this gun doesn't know how to miss, so don't teach it. <laughs> That's a good I believe one. that was his parting advice to me. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, that was literally the first time I had ever seen the crosshairs on fur. 
mm-hmm. personally. So it was, it was kind of a cool feeling. And I, you know, I sat there and I, I started to squeeze the trigger and then I started to squeeze it too hard. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> so I backed off the trigger pull and got back in there, took a breath and just, it was awesome. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a really cool feeling. It was such a different experience than bow hunting. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, I think you may see me, see me in Elmer Fudd gear. Yeah. Again, that, <laughs> that may not be a one, one only deal. What's that hat that Cody was wearing the other day? The Stormy Cromer. Yeah. You got to get yourself one of them. The ear Stormy flap Cromers. one. Oh, yeah. the, the ear flaps. You, I, you'll look just as dumb as me. I don't know who's going to look <laughs> dumber if we wear those, but. I think my street cred would probably go up at least 20% with, it, with that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's important. Harder was wearing one up. And then when he needs, <laughs> when he goes to get permission at landowners, he uh-huh. wears the Stormy Cromer. Uh, Cause you fit in up and out. Well, yeah, you look like a local then. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's funny as hell. The, um, yeah. Cause I, I've shot, uh, couple things i shot my grizzly with a gun uh and then that moose with a gun which turns out i should have brought the bow that day that was the day i'd had all of the rain i could take and was like yeah i heard that we're, we're finishing yeah. this today yeah um, <laughs> it, uh, it's much easier with a gun um but uh it is it is fun i mean the one thing that um you know if i could if i had time and everything else it would be kind of cool to bounce back and forth between a trad bow a compound and a gun um you know, yeah, you talk comments. about three different points of the compass there. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, a, no kidding. Three very different approaches for sure. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Um, I, uh, oh, the Nikon stuff just arrived. It's going to be a good day, Henry. All right. Um, <laughs> I got, well, no, I'm shitting you. I'm going to be, but I got a 600 millimeter lens. We're going to be taking some photos of cool deer. Oh um, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, We'll have to keep in touch. I tend to find a few of those throughout the years. So. Yeah. Oh, no, I know, right? Um, <laughs> Since I'm looking for them all the time. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, what that next year, are you doing anything uh, out of the ordinary or kind of the status quo? Well, it looks like, I mean, I applied for a javelina hunt in Arizona, which yeah. even though I grew up in, in northern Arizona, I've never actually seen a javelina. So, um, other than the 3d target, yeah, you can shoot the shit out of those. I've cussed a lot of those things, (laughs) but, uh, but the cool thing is my son turns 12 in January. So we're going to take him down there, assuming I get drawn and we can pick up a leftover for him. We're going to take him on his first hunt. Um, and I mean, he's been with me on a lot of hunts, but this will be the first time of, of him actually carrying a weapon. So Next year for me, I think is going to be a lot different because I'm hoping to have a rifle tag for him. I want to start him off with a rifle hunt because, you know, a rifle for, for deer or elk because, I, you know, your odds are significantly higher. And I think having kids experience success is, is really important. Well, I think I'm trying to do the same thing with Kaylee, she, but oh, she's yeah. going to try it with a bow. I'm going to take her, um, I'm hoping uh, to, with Lander in BC for bear. Oh, cool. Um, and, uh she's uh we haven't seen her for a little while just she's, on instagram she's yeah. just like me <laughs> smart ass i mean no yeah. really yeah it's, it's surprising because <laughs> yeah my son has like no sense of humor either. I mean, he's, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah he's he's vying for class clown already so <laughs> oh it, it, it kaylee has the um i mean she's not disrespectful smart ass but she definitely throws him in there yeah, she's, she's a fit, physically a beast <laughs> um but she was i'm like because uh, her teachers know who I am from Instagram and whatever and, yeah. and her friends and they follow along. And so 
I'm like, Kaylee, and Lander was a child psychologist, believe it or not. Oh, no kidding. Um, that's when he went to wow. school. And he's a dad. I mean, he looks over uh, like a big brother for me. Um, and he's like, bring her up. And I, I told Kaylee, I said, awesome. do you want to do it with a bow? Because I don't pressure her into doing anything. Yeah. And she really wants to do it with a bow. And I'm like, look, you're going to have two guys besides you with guns, me being one and the guy being the other. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm like, if you want to do it, I can, gu- I can, I can guide you in. I, I, I say do it. And uh, so that's, that's the plan. And if she doesn't want that's to, awesome. we'll do it with a gun. She's sure. Moot, but she's, uh, she's pretty jacked up about it. I just oh, got to yeah. be able to pull her out of school. The problem is the kid's super smart. And so yanking me out of school. Not a problem. Didn't, Didn't really move difference. the needle very much. No, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm I'm with you. I'm with you there. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> doing AP classes and and uh, which is amazing. App classes? What are those? I don't know exactly, yeah. but I guess it's college <laughs> classes. I know, right? But what's funny is she got thank God my street smarts and my uh, ex's book smarts. That's it's that's a good combo. The, that's the good combination. Fortunately, Kyle's kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, thank God, because um, if she got my work ethic in school, um, well, she probably wouldn't be in it right now because she would have <laughs> dropped out. But, yeah. But your kid now, did your kid, did you get, he had, does he still wear glasses? He does uh, occasionally. But didn't he yeah. have some, a surgery or something? No, uh, he's, he's got an astigmatism. Is what? Okay. Uh, yeah. But no, he's just. Uh, I thought you had made a post about something. Or maybe did he get hit in the eye, or am I making something up? It seems like you had a post or something that had to do with his eyes, or maybe when was he first got glasses. And I, I had made kind of a mental note to ask you about it, but maybe I was just crazy. No, it wasn't like any traumatic event or anything. He just Kaylee's, all of a sudden didn't see as well at school. Kaylee's got the same problem. She's kid can still spot deer with the best of them. Though. Yeah, she. So you know, there's there's a there's a uh, a practical application for the vision he does have. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's important. Well, I, Kaylee's got uh, glass. She's blind. Whatever. She's got glasses. Um, you know, as well. But the little fart knocker keeps stealing mine. Our vision's that close. Oh, really? Like I had uh, Oakley's or something. Yeah, I, I don't have those anymore. She wears those now. Vision <laughs> glasses. I'm like, Kaylee, we can just go buy you some. Oh, no, Dad, I like yours. No, these are good. Yeah, exactly. So, no, yeah. well, that's cool. Um, like, I don't know how long we've been talking. Let me take a look. No idea. Uh, about sure. an hour. Not too bad. Um, is there anything else you want to hit while we're in here? Um cover or whatever uh i th- i guess we could cover the the fitness slash shooting slash animal thing a little bit more in depth sure. just because we all talk shit and, and fun i mean you and i and other people oh, yeah. um i hey, think some of my best friends are fit and i mean there's nothing wrong with that at all you know, oh no and I, I encourage it i think it's um <laughs> in context or whatever like i i think um you're kind of where i'm at and frank and other people is if you focus too much on shooting then you're going to lack in fitness. If you focus too much on fitness, you may lack in shooting or yeah. animal behavior and kind of finding a happy around a happy medium. Um, is the, obviously the best. I just, and I agree there's too many people and I, I love the gym. We go to the gym every day, but I drive by mine all every, <laughs> every several morning. times. Yeah. It's close by the house. I remember you told me you said you did the fit for life, but it was like fit for two weeks. Program. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fit for life, <laughs> man. That was, that was, it was, it was fit. Actually we did fit for 60 days and it was, uh, probably as close to hell as I've ever been on this earth. Like, <laughs> man, that was, yeah. I, I, I thought 
really, when we were doing it, I thought I was so good at it that I was done with it in 60 days. I mean, <laughs> take some people the whole life, but yeah. Time. Done. <laughs> yep, uh, exactly. Well, I, I think the thing you're kind of preaching or what, like with the not fit to hunt is knowledge, but also try to be well-rounded, you know, be fit, be balance. knowledgeable. Balance is important in everything. I mean, I, I see a lot of people who, you know, and I, I shoot leagues, I, I shoot the league once a week over at, over at No Limits. It's 3D League on Wednesday nights. You guys ought to come out. All the cool kids are there. <laughs> um, but uh, it really, it's a lot of fun because I get to see other people shoot and I get to see how, where they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like, I like to help people out. I mean, if they ask me for help, I'll, you know, I'll help them out. I, it's not often I'll sit there and say, Hey, uh, by the way, you're totally doing that wrong. Yeah. But yeah. if something's like really egregious, occasionally I will be like, um, good word thought, usage. Yeah. Have you ever thought about maybe shortening your draw length three or four inches? You know, that's a bad <laughs> one. Although I will say I have quit trying to help people and that they ask because some guys get pissed. They do. And there's, there's a lot of pride and a lot of ego involved in it. Well, and it's like, and, dude, I just saw you miss six times. Yeah. And you look frustrated and I can help you. There is a better way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this it's isn't not all that hard. If we you all know how to do it right. We all started there. Yeah. Somewhere. Without a doubt. Without um, a doubt. My first bow was a fifty dollar PSE bow kit. It was literally a wood block. It was the old wood <laughs> riser days, and I know I dated myself a little bit there. This was like eighty seven, eighty eight. How old are you, Henry? Because you've got a couple on me or a few. 44. Yeah, you yeah. got well. I know 44 has never looked better. But <laughs> You got three on yeah. me. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, though. You've aged uh, literally like George Strait. Uh, you don't look any different than you did 15 I thought you were going to say ago. George Costanza. So I appreciate the straight part. That was <laughs> you, good. That you was do good. look. What tells that comedian I said you look like? Uh, the mall, Paul Blarth. The mall oh, club. yeah. See, that's that's where I know I've let myself go. When I was <laughs> when I was a teenager, I remember flying up with my mom once, and my mom and my grandma we went up to see my sister in Seattle, and we were in the Seattle airport waiting for our flight, and this lady came up to me. And she goes, "Hey, I know you." I'm like I don't, I don't think you do. She goes, "No, I know you. You that TV kid, right?" I said, "No, I'm, I'm not." And she goes, "No, you're that kid from Silver Spoons." <laughs> so I, I used to get compared to Ricky Schroeder and now it's gone to Kevin James. So I think, <laughs> I think maybe that non-committed relationship I have with the gym, I think maybe I should take that a bit more seriously. You should just so. come out and do, uh, just do cardio with us. Um, dude, we have all skill levels and mm-hmm. it's actually not, it's not, I mean, literally that you've got the rabbits, you've got the mediocres and you've got the slow ones. And then you've got James Hardesty. Um, no, I'm just kidding. See, and I think, I think James and I, I think he might be like my spirit animal or something because (laughs) I see, I see a lot of his, uh, a lot of his posts and I'm like, I get that guy. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. He's a funny guy. (laughs) He he is funny. Um, he He might be the elk version of you. He kills a lot of elk. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean, he gets it done. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy obviously like you. I mean, that you guys get it done. Spends a lot of time in the woods, and that's that's pretty much what it boils down to at the end of the day. I mean, it's uh, well, in in on my side of the fence, which you've seen the entire building of the fence. I was a fat fucker for what did I get up to? Two sixty, two seventy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I well, never, remember, we I, never stepped on the scale side by side. Yeah. But that that sounds about right. Forty four yeah. inch jeans, forty two, and yeah. then uh, and then I got. Um, yeah, he says that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> and then I got a, 
slightly larger in the muscle area with some help from different substances. A little bit. bit. And then uh, I kind of, during all that, learned, you know, eating. And and basically to eat healthy, in my opinion, you just have to become accustomed to eating food that generally doesn't taste very good. And once you get beyond that, you're golden. Meaning I've eaten healthy food so much when I eat something like, like I can't drink soda. I, I, I hate it now. Where you remember how many Mountain Dews I was pounding down? <laughs> I used to like mainline Mountain Dews, man. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty butter. sure if you did a blood test, it would just come back like <laughs> MD <good>. positive or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, I mean, you just, you have to be diligent. I mean, one thing, luckily, Amy, uh, she cooks all organic. And then obviously we have 700 pounds of meat in the freezer now, which helps. Yeah, that probably helps too. But dude, you it's got to be... Our freezer runneth over right now as well. Oh so. yeah, you were knocking them down the last <laughs> couple of years. But I mean, I think um, if you came out though with... Uh, it, you'd like doing the backpack I'll do cardio. It. It'd be I'll, good. I'll, I'll come do it. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's something last year I, I struggled with a minor Achilles issue. Mm. Yeah, um, you, you told me that was probably more than minor or the way it sounded. Yeah, I'll show you that here in a minute. It's not really gotten better, but it hasn't gotten any worse. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. Let her buck. Yeah. And when it, <laughs> when it happens, you know, when it, when something needs to be done, then I'll get something done. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, I'm not going to poke the bear. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But no, we don't, it's not a, we just go up. Everybody waits at the top till everybody gets there. Don't show up on the day. Well, it they says, might be waiting a little longer for me, but that's okay. You know, the, don't, the view's nice. When it says tower trail, don't show up that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't show up that day. Um, in fact, I wouldn't show a, the tower trails varsity. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you're just walking up a steep hill. Yeah. Uh, but it sucks the entire way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where the fire roads a road and you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, you'll have to join in. It's pretty fun and, and it keeps you motivated more. I mean, I know for me, um, especially when the winter hits and the time changes, man, it's tough. The yeah. time change, yeah. literally you can watch my scale on the time change. And they go hand in hand because once those days get short and I mean, there's just the evenings are gone, you know, you're out of work and it's done. The day's done. It's pitch black. It's yeah, it sucks. Yeah, there's a there's a depression that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I was going to bring up? um, And of course, this is going to sound like a sales pitch for prime. But um, I when I I shot several different uh, bows and. There was a an Athens I liked and an Elite I liked. A um I always forget the name of it. The one that Donnie was shooting for a while, uh Excursion or Expedition. Expedition. Uh an obsession. I liked several several of those different bows, but with that, I was able to tune that prime in a couple arrows, which was one of the issues I had with Hoyt was was tuning. Um I always had to put quite a bit of twists in my left yoke or my arrow would be outside oh, yeah, of yeah, center. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. And, I was uh, just twisted my yoke until it was running straight over the cam. That was that was kind of my. From there, you were within a you know. Close with you know, yeah, you were close enough. And, and uh, uh, it was a little squishy on the Hoyt, which some people like squishy. That's not a problem, but yeah. I was able with the prime, and I kind of followed in your. When I got the bows, they could only get me a synergy at first, and then yep, they sent same me the hybrid. I started with the synergy and. Which I loved it. I don't like short bows, so I automatically had a preconceived idea that I wouldn't like it, and that bow became my killer. That's the one I hunted with the entire season. Well, and the interesting thing is, between those two bows, that is a little bit shorter bow, and and it's what thirty three and a half inches. Yeah, give or take. And that's not a real short bow, but Mm -hmm. it's got big cams, so Mm -hmm. your your tip to tip is still 
pretty long. Yeah, you're over 40 or over 38 tip to tip. So. But the cool thing is then you've got a seven inch brace height. Yeah. So what you what you lack in the, you know, what you lose in one, you gain in the other. So you still have a really super forgiving setup it, there. It That bow is just, it's the only bow I've been able to shoot four or five different broadheads in group, fixed and mechanical. And just have them all hit. 80 to 100. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and and I, I know I called you when I was screwing around with them because I shot a, a rival last year or the year before for a little bit. Okay. And I liked it. Um, and then um, Brian signed a deal with Hoyt, and, and I've I've shot Hoyt off and on for for years. Yeah, um, as long but, as I've known you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And 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 I just told Brian I said, look, when this contract's up, um, I may end up shooting a Hoyt. I may not. I'm just going to go shoot all of them and. The, the wall and the prime, the draw cycle and the tunability were a big one for me. And, and I just, I shoot all bows pretty good, but that one was just comfortable. And as far as a, a hunting bow, the broadhead thing was big. Um, That's huge. Yeah, it is. Cause I was shooting cutthroats, iron wheels, um, kill zones, grave diggers, both types, a striker, that dead meat Man, all awesome. in the same spot. Now, that's awesome. That that's got to just give you a ton of confidence. Having him hit. Yeah. I can't I can't say that's the only bow that would do that, but that's I mean I cannot say enough about that prime. Um that as easy as it's been so far. Now there was one I used as a self-arresting device. There was another one that got ran over by the guide. Um <laughs> luckily none of them were the the killer, the one that I hunted with the most. Now yeah. my synergy is just over eighty at twenty nine, and I'm shooting right now a two sixty axis. Uh, with 125 up front, um, what are your spec? Because your draw length's a little shorter than mine. Yeah, I'm shooting. I'm 28 and a half, so I'm shooting a. Uh, I mean, my my pierces, which I talked about earlier, those are basically right at 400 grains. Gotcha. And, and honestly, I know I, I'll I might get stoned next time I walk into a public place where there's other archers, but <laughs> I've never ever ever killed anything with an arrow that weighed over 420 grains. Yeah, just never have. I, yeah. It's I mean, I killed an elk years ago, and I this is this is probably on the too light side, but I killed an elk with a fifty five seventy five pro hunter that was like three hundred sixty five grains. I think I helped you pack that you out. Did help me yeah. pack that out. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, that, that was you know that elk went less than a hundred yards. And what were you shooting for a broadhead at that time? Do you at remember? that time, I was shooting the gold tip Centurion. That's what I, I shot yeah. a lot of stuff with those heads, man. That was a that was a cool head. I really, really liked it. It was just a three-blade fixed, yeah. like a one and an eighth cut, but they were straight. The ferrules were straight, and it, which made that a real easy broadhead to tune, real easy broadhead to shoot. No, that's cool. And then in Prime, uh, or Frank is in Prime Life now. Frank's got the... Well, the, the rival in the, the Synergy Hybrid. The Stormtrooper bow. <laughs> the Stormtrooper bow sitting right here, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and you're shooting... He's shooting... Um, the skinnies. What are you shooting, Frank? The FMJ injections. Inject three thirties and the yeah. So basically the same, same diameter that I'm shooting there. The mm. little skinny arrows. Yeah, the one six sixes. Yeah, and he's gotten his. You got yours dialed in now. Now Frank's got schwackers. He's going to shoot um, and try those. That's good head. Yeah, I've, the, I've the killed a couple steel. animals with those, and honestly, mm. they they work. I was they telling Frank the history of schwacker. That was a Sonoran. It was. Yep. And I shot those the old red in, forester broadhead there in yeah. 2001 or two or three or whatever it was. I shot them way back or maybe it was four or five, uh, when he owned it and, uh, uh -huh. built a little bit different. 
that new have you seen that stainless steel i show, haven't seen the show one of those frank dude that may be my next mechanical head dude that thing is the money i mean yeah it, i'm gonna oh that's pretty slick yeah boy the points are the edge of the blades are real close to the tip there that's interesting but and i i'm i'm at an advantage of that how do they fly they, Money, man. Money yeah, out to, no uh, Shout out to 80 yesterday, and they were right on there with the field points. That's awesome. It, it's it's. I'm on the other end of the spectrum than you, where you shoot a 400 grain. My arrow's 540 or 580. So at what point? At what point does the arrow start to kill by shock instead of by hemorrhaging? Dude, I know, right? <laughs> it's like well, a shock. Because I, at some point, this has to happen, right? I mean, <laughs> that that goat I hit uh, blew its offside shoulder up. Like a, like a rifle. Um, <laughs> Might as well have been. Huh? My, uh, and then that, the craziest thing that I've ever seen, and I've made some, I've done some weird, I've shot frontals on elk and come out their butt. Yeah. I shot that mule deer in Alberta, bedded, went, because it was bedded, its uh, shoulder was covering up, so I aimed at the sure. meat, shot through the meatiest part, went through the scapula, went through the off, all through, you know, everything inside, broke the offside leg. And I couldn't find the arrow. It kept I going. did that last week too, and it was only 150. Grand. <laughs> <laughs> but granted, I guess it was going like 2850 or something. Uh, <laughs> I I tell you though, I you call it unethical or whatever. I the reason I shoot one, I had my shoulders checked out two years ago. I got the shoulders of an 18 year old kid. Probably a completely different story. Nice. If I didn't have good shoulders, as far as the Put heavy me down pounders. for like the shoulders of a 70, 75 year old. <laughs> well, and and I can shoot. Well, I, ever since you've known me, I've hunted with 80 to 100 pounds. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I can shoot it accurately. So here's my, my caveat to this. Just because Cameron Haynes or myself or whoever shoots heavy poundage, that is not something you mimic. That is something you shoot what you are comfortable with and accurate with shooting. As Henry just said, you're shooting 400 grain air at 70 pounds. Yeah. 68. And, and truthfully, I hunted. I mean, that elk that you helped me pack out, that was like 65-pound bow. Yeah, I mean, technically. I was going through some pretty serious shoulder troubles at the time, and that was a struggle for me. So Yeah, technology. I mean, doesn't Yeah, and the technology and the smoothness of the cams and stuff. And, you know, going back to the Prime real quick, one of the things that sold me on the Prime was the fact that I could shoot that either cable stop or limb stop. Yeah. And I played around with both of them. I really did. I gave the... I gave the, uh, I shot it with the limb stops for the first three weeks mm -hmm. and really liked it. I mean, I shot the heck out of that bow. That league scores on Wednesday nights were fantastic, but I found myself just getting a little bit lazy in my shot execution. So that's why I went back. That's why I went to the cable stop. It just kept me engaged in the shot a little more, but having that tunability in the bow was awesome. Just yeah. being able to do, to really fine tune that to, to the particular shooter style. I mean, Frank, you might prefer a wrist strap release and, you know, more of a command shot. I mean, for me, it's, you know, I'm shooting a back tension shot. So I want something that keeps me a little more engaged. I mean, if, and the cool thing is on that same bow, same cam, everything included from the factory, we could both be perfectly happy with mm -hmm. that bow. Yeah. And that's yeah. a pretty unique thing. I like the, the way that the, um, uh, cable, um, well, that's not a cable guard. The cable, whatever you can the flexus guard. There. You can yeah. you can pivot it um, exactly. Because like, where are you shooting yours? Just out of curiosity, buried. It's buried. It's it's buried. You're you've Tight got you very little flex in it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, why? How? What? Who knows? Probably because I'm shooting too over spine of an arrow. What about you, Frank? Where I'm set up just about the same. About the same. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I think that um, 
again, tuning, which is the lost art. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> people don't realize, like, for me to shoot an Elite, I had to have the cable guard flexed out so far, I'd, fl- I'd wear out cables. Um, okay. And I'd have to have the cam shim to the left. Um, gotcha. You know, and then with a Hoyt, I'd have twists in the left yoke, and I'd have cam lean to get it to tune. Where with this bow, um, you can pretty much eyeball center shot as long as you're within reason of the correct spine. You're you're not having to do any crazy shit to yeah. it, or I haven't seen. Um, no. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, mine tuned just a touch outside of center. Yeah, just, like just a 16th a touch. or something. Yeah. yeah, and when I finally got that through my head that not every bow <laughs> had to tune exactly how I felt it should, Yeah, that bow has not been touched. Yeah. I literally haven't touched a thing on either of them since then. Yeah, and I mean, I, as I, I told Frank before you got here yesterday um, – how well you can shoot. And I, I said, Henry can shoot like as good as me or better. Like you don't want Henry shooting at you at 120. Um, <laughs> and, and I would say, you know, realistically, um, you know, you uh, shooting or, or, or if whatever a paper played at, at one to 120, um, you don't want to bet against you. You're going to hit it. Um, would you say that that's, I'm going to, you know, I shoot a lot of arrows. I mean, I don't like to brag about any of it. I mean, because it's every single accurate shot I ha- I've made has been earned because I've I work my butt off at it. And Are you shooting about every day, or I shoot just about every day. Yeah. And this time of year, right after the season, I tend to go through a little mm-hmm. period where I'll shoot two, three days a week. But I'll be past that next week. Mm-hmm. It's you know just kind of a little bit of a hangover from hol- from from archery season yeah. and stuff, but. But yeah, I shoot, and and I'm I'm the guy who geeks out on it enough that I literally travel with a release trainer. <laughs> so when I'm overseas and stuff, I've had to explain what the uh, what the Morin trainer is to about <laughs> fifty different TSA agents and and in a lot of different languages. Mm-hmm. So you know you're pointing and grunting and flex, you know, showing how it works. But yeah, I I I get reps in every day though, mm-hmm. and it's it's something that you know I don't just bow hunt i'm i'm an archer i'm a bow hunter i love i love it year round well and i i think uh with what i was kind of leading up to with that is uh just because after this season and and uh um different things happening and and questions i've got just because someone else can do it certainly does not mean you should be doing it and, and that's one thing I, I promised brian broderick who's a trad guy one of the greatest guys on the planet i've ever met that i would start really forcing that into people's minds is um, if your wheelhouse is 40, your wheelhouse is 40. And and if you, let's say uh, during the course of a season, think you're ready to shoot 60 and those two tries that you took at 60, let's say uh, end up in an epic failure, you better go back to 40. Absolutely. Um, And sometimes, um, there's some people that shouldn't shoot 40 or 20 or even have a bow in their hand. Um, and there's some people's capabilities are much farther than that, but there's, there's a few different things you earn. First, you earn accuracy, tuning, shooting, the mechanics of a bow, your form, your alignment, all of that's earned. You bet. And then the next thing that's earned is the, how you react when an animal's in front of you. One of them may never happen. Meaning, you may always shit your pants when an animal's in front of you, punch the trigger and yeah. shoot it in the throat. Um, and which means no matter how accurate you are on, on paper, um, you need to dial her back to a realistic range to where 
the the chances of that, as he would say, the cone, you know, it's, it's yeah. you know, are, are limited. Meaning you need to get close, no matter how good you are on paper, because you just can't hold your mud. Um, you know, and one thing you also need to find out where your sweet spot is. Yeah, I mean, for me, man, at twenty yards, I get too amped up. Yeah, but you put me at forty yards or better, and I just stay calm and and cool. And those shots, those shots hit. Those shots hit what I'm aiming at, and it's. I, I mean, you need to find out, um, you know, Randy Ulmer says they've got, you know, mule deer have that 40-yard thing, yeah. you know, that 40-yard halo around them where that's – and, you know, and I, I think there's some truth to that. And I've gotten in way closer a few times, and, boy, I'll tell you, those those shots usually blow up because, it, you know, there's just so much. Everything's amplified. So, for me, if I stay back at 40 yards or 60 yards – I'm a whole lot more comfortable and confident there. And, and I would, everything's just more relaxed. I would agree with that. Um, I would much rather take a 38 to 60 yard shot. Um, then, and when I say that, obviously there's always elk are different. Than oh, sure. There's always variables to um, it. But. The, the thing that bothers, bothers me, if they're tuned up at 24, um, I'd rather shoot them feeding at 58 than tuned up at 24 or no 36. No about it, yeah. Um, and again, um, you know, without getting into the, all the um, bullshit that goes along with ethics and everything else. And I, I'm not saying ethics are bullshit, meaning that. But everybody's ethics are different. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's based on it's based on abilities and experience. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Well, and that's where the heavy poundage comes in is um, mm-hmm. unethical or not. I'm shooting them coming um, or going, meaning. I know elk anatomy. I know mule deer anatomy. I know animal anatomy. If I can slip it between the shoulder and the neck at an animal coming up to me, cornering slightly, I will take that shot personally. Yeah. Never got, I've never lost one. Um, I had a podcast. I told the one bad experience I had with it, but I still found they yep. got the animal. Yeah. Um, because I'm packing enough heat behind that um, arrow, enough momentum. Uh, my equipment isn't going to hinder that shot where it would some people. Yeah. Um, ha- you know, having said that, not everybody should be taking shots like that. A lot of times uh, you may not have enough momentum. You may not have the accuracy. If your arrow is flying like crap, you're going to lose. I mean, it's amazing how much momentum you lose with an arrow waggling into the body of an animal. That is absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of variables. Um, so just cause like Henry can shoot um, far or Frank or myself, or, you shouldn't necessarily ever shoot farther than what you're comfortable with. And, and the way I look at it is if you can shoot cold bore, um, 50, grab the bow, I range it and shoot it and you can hit a pie plate at 50 or a softball. Um, but after that you go to hell, that's a good, that's a good reference 50 and in. Um, if you can grab a, you know, cold bore and it's 25, you probably shouldn't shoot too far past 25. If you can't get your broadheads to fly. Well, and one thing I do, um, to kind of check that, cause it, you need to be honest with yourself about your effective range. I mean, that's something that it's something really only you can answer. And something that I do personally is I use a, uh, I've always got a practice head in my quiver. So when I'm out hunting, if I'm on a stock, I will try to take a shot that kind of mimics the, the shot I'm going to get after the stock's over. Um, but I'll take a lot of long shots with that and, you know, shooting it. If you're out antelope hunting, you're shooting at yuccas or sagebrush or, you know, cow pies, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. you know, whatever you can find that's going to give you kind of a soft spot to, to hit that arrow. I mean, that's something that I do that a lot throughout the day. And I mean, Hey, there's some days where you get out of, you get out of bed and you're like, 
you're just struggling ahead. So you yeah. got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, that's, this is not the day that uh, we're going to be taking a long poke at something. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, that's all again, earned from time in the field and experience yeah. and everything else. So for sure. Well, cool, man. Well, we should probably go mostly because my camera got here and I'm going to go play with it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, thanks for coming on. And I'm going to go sell furniture. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, everybody's jealous now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that's funny. But yeah, let's definitely get you on again sometime. Sounds great. Cool. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you.